Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. The trade deadline is fast approaching, so you know what that means. It's time for a wish list. Gavin and I have some big names, some small names, some in-between names, some reasonable names, some maybe unreasonable names. Lots of guys to get into in just a second on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up, up. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's out. Anthony for three. Welcome in to Locked On Knicks, and today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm Aaron Chief and Nick's like the Strickland, and you can find Strick.land. He's Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster, and we wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. Whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube, we appreciate you making us part of your daily routine and would even more appreciate it. And, you know, honestly, you would probably appreciate it too yourself. If you enjoy the pod, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, hit the the auto download function on your podcast app. Always helpful for us. And then you get notified every time we put up an episode, which is five days a week. Uh, Gavin, I alluded to it in the in the intro here that we are going to be talking about players that we want the Knicks to target with the trade deadline coming up. I figured I'd throw it to you first. First, we're just going to briefly give our philosophies of what we're looking for in a player before and what we think the Knicks should do before we get into our actual targets. So what is your, if you were Leon Rose and team, what is your philosophy going into this trade deadline? Um, to me, it's it's simply to to buoy the bench. Uh, look, if, look, if a star trade presents itself and it's the right deal, then obviously you go for it. That That is kind of always priority number one for this front office and, and really any front office in the NBA in general. Um, but the Knicks have had the lowest scoring bench in basketball for the last month and a half. So whether it comes in the form of a creator um, like someone who can get into the lane, someone who can put the defense in rotation, or just a shooter who has some gravity. The, the Knicks need another threat in that bench unit, especially because Obi Toppin um, has not been himself offensively, both in terms of getting out in transition, and and he was showing flashes of creation in the half court earlier this year. And I, I think part of that was was a better ecosystem and the fact that iHeart was spaced a little bit better and iHeart was scoring more, so there was a, a, a tiny bit more of an open lane. Plus, you had Quentin Grimes playing with the bench, so that was another um, floor spacer, at least once he had come back from injury. Uh, but right now, the bench just isn't clicking. So whether it's another shooter, another creator, Alex, I, I think you need something to spice up the bench a little bit. But what about you? Yeah, I would say uh, pretty similar, I think. I guess our definition of what the Knicks need is slightly different, but basically the same thing. Uh, my goals would be offload Cam Reddish, which I don't want to do, but it just seems like an inevitability. So like, certainly don't let the trade deadline pass without him being off the team if there's no shot of him playing for this team anymore. Because honestly, if I was going to write up like who is the type of player that I would – 
want to bring on to the Knicks, this trade deadline it would be like a slightly more polished Cam Reddish, which the Knicks could do if they were just willing to do the polishing. Uh, but they don't seem willing to do that, or both sides don't seem interested in that. So, you know, deal him. Uh, I would hopefully deal Hartenstein as well. I just think, I don't know, I'd rather see Jericho Sims play behind Mitchell Robinson, and then, you know, you can always get another third-string center later or just lean into playing Julius and Obi more. I just feel like it does a lot for the Knicks, like, in terms of lineups that they could put out there and also just kind of clearing up a bit of a log jam because I, I think the Sims does deserve minutes. Uh, and then Derek Rose and Evan Fournier, just offload them if you don't have to pay to do so. And if you do have to pay to do so, then just hold on to them. I mean, it doesn't really harm anything. Uh, neither of them are signed for a particularly long time. I think Derek Rose you can get of, out of after this year. Fournier, you would just have to wait till next year. And you could presumably stretch him if you really felt so inclined. And th the cap hit would be like $6 million out of a 100 whatever. It's going to be like $25 million cap next year, which is like basically nothing. Uh, that's just kind of a write-off on the, the overall cap sheet. So... I, I wouldn't trade either of those guys unless you could do it basically for free. But if you could, then sure, just clear them up. But they're also both being consummate pros, so no huge deal there. Uh, I would say my primary targets would be versatile wings that can score. Uh, seems like other than quickly, there's not a ton of bench scoring right now, uh, at least not consistent bench scoring. So I think having a consistent wing score off the bench preferably can defend a couple positions and, you know, maybe could do some other stuff like putting the ball on the floor or whatever, but mostly like scoring and being able to defend, I think are important. Go figure. You know, it's like only the two most important skills in the NBA. Um, I would personally not, there are certain guys that I would mostly keep off the table unless it was for a big swing. And that's sort of the core guys like quickly Grimes, RJ, uh, obviously Brunson Randall right now, unless you're like trading him for some like big upgrade or something. Or if you're just opting to say, you know, we're just going to lean into the youth the rest of the year and just cash out as big as humanly possible on Randall, then fine. But otherwise, if you're just looking to improve this team, uh, I would keep most of those guys in the young core off the table. But I would not keep uh, Deuce McBride, the rights to Rokas, Jokobitis, or uh, a number of the firsts off the table uh, if it meant upgrading the roster to try to make this particular team better. Uh, and I also wouldn't be opposed to a big if they can give a different look to the team when they're on the floor, sort of like what we thought that Hartenstein might be able to do, but that hasn't come to fruition. Uh, if you could get like a floor stretcher that could still do enough of like the rim protection and stuff that, that Tibbs likes, that would be cool by me as well. So I, th I think that's where I'm at. But Gavin, uh, I'll just throw it to you. Let's let's just drop a big old bombshell to start the, the names here you wrote this guy down in our doc and as i saw it come in i was like oh all right let's go so let's get us going it's a, it's a big name yeah i mean when, when you said you wanted a, a versatile wing i said boy do i do i have someone who's gonna who's gonna appease appease that particular appetite uh paul george of the los angeles clippers ever heard of him uh something like a six-time all-star future hall of famer uh top five and mvp that one year in oklahoma city uh, tortured the Knicks uh, once upon a time in that 2012-13 uh, uh, team, though he wasn't quite as good back then as he is now. But um, some of you are going, all right, that's insane, Gavin. The Los Angeles Clippers are title contenders. Are they, though? Are they, though? They've lost nine of their last 11 games. They are 23-24. and 24, And um, unlike a team we're going to talk about in a little bit, they've been losing those games, Alex, since their two stars came back. 
Um, they had the excuse. They had the caveat. They just said, all right, just wait till we're healthy. Wait till we're healthy. They've been saying that for four years now. Um, they're rarely healthy. And now that they sort of are, um, Kawhi Leonard is still a very good player, but he does not seem to be the same guy he was when we last saw him. Where I, I mean, I don't know if you remember that that series against the Dallas Mavericks where he was going toe-to-toe with Luka, but he looked like there was, there was a case in that first round and people were having this discussion. It's like, all right, are we watching the best player on planet Earth right now? It doesn't feel like Kawhi quite has that ceiling anymore. It feels like George might be, I don't know, like 5 to 8% worse than he was at his apex in Oklahoma City, which I, I think that was at 18-19 uh, year, um, was, was probably the best we've ever seen him. Um, and then for the New York Knicks, the the argument is you pair him with Jalen Brunson, um, R- Julius Randle, Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel Quickly, Mitchell Robinson. Is it crazy to think that that team could, I mean, maybe maybe you need a, a Giannis injury or a Jason Tatum injury, but could get to the Eastern Conference Finals? I mean, could on on a fluke, on the, on the right night, the, the right things falling their ways, make it to an NBA Finals? I mean, to me, it would be the, the pathway would be pretty similar to that Kawhi Toronto Raptors team. And I don't think you've quite the depth of that team, but your second and third stars are a little bit better, even if Paul George is quite a bit worse than Kawhi was at that point. So anyways, people are asking, what would the trade be? So I'm thinking the basis is RJ Barrett, Evan Fournier, Isaiah Hartenstein works from a financial perspective. And then if you're the Knicks, the only question is how many picks do you have to throw in to make that work? And I, I think you probably are ending up putting in one of your own unprotected, maybe two of your own unprotected. You, your, your cat is saying two. Okay, two. Um, and then maybe one or two of um, the the horde of protected picks they have, whether that's the Mavericks picks, the Pistons pick, the Wizards pick, the Bucks pick. Like you could throw three of those at, at the Clippers and one of your own. I'm, I'm fine with that because I, Alex, I think that elevates the Knicks to um, maybe not quite the inner circle of finals contenders, but I don't know, maybe like the, the sixth most likely team to win a title. That That is just such a well-balanced group that can dominate on both ends of the floor. Um, I, I want to let you respond. Uh, but first I gotta, I gotta tell people how to get jobs out there. You know, people, people need a commute to listen to our podcast on. Um, so the place to go find that is LinkedIn as a small business owner or hiring manager. You know what success in 2023 all depends on. It's the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs with LinkedIn jobs. You can hire Qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. Um, so I personally never hired anyone on LinkedIn. Uh, maybe maybe one day we'll be looking for a Locked On Knicks intern on there. But I have gotten a lot of jobs from LinkedIn. And what, what I find it just as important for as finding a job is, is getting advice. Like it, it, is, it is the ultimate network of professionals. And I've made connections that not only have helped me improve my craft, but then down the road have led to jobs. LinkedIn is the only place in the world I would want to go do that. They help you attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with a targeting tool. And there are 875 million members. So that, that gives you a pool of not only candidates, but as I noted, peers that you can talk to and communicate with. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you can you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdown MBA. That's linkedin.com slash lockdown MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Alex, what, what are your thoughts on my my Paul George mega trade? I, I guess I guess I want you to start here. Do you think it's realistic that the Clippers would be willing to trade Paul George given the tailspin that they're currently in? I think that if they if they take a sober look at things, which 
I don't know that they will based off the fact that I think Steve Ballmer is a little crazy and will <laughs> a little's doing a lot of work there. <laughs> yeah. We'll just be, we'll just be convinced that they still are every bit the contender that they were when those guys signed in 2019 um, and talk himself into them basically being like the nets this year. Like, Oh, it's finally coming together. We're going to do it. Uh, even though it's not. And so I don't know first off that they would accept the harsh reality that this whole Kawhi and Paul George thing didn't ultimately work out, uh, which I don't think it's going to. But then the other part of that is if they make Paul George available for the trade deadline, I feel like he would be far and away the best player available at the trade deadline, and there would be a huge bidding war. Mm -hmm. And I think the Knicks would have to go higher than your projected deal, uh, unless they were somehow able to work some back channels and be like the first person in line for the Black Friday sale for Paul George, you know, like, and, and manage to, you know, just get in ahead of everybody else and not give anyone else a chance somehow. Uh, although I just can't see that happening because if the Clippers blow it up, it's going to be fireworks. They're going to be like, okay, everything must go. Like, we need to trade Paul George. And then the natural next move is you have to trade Kawhi after that for whoever wants to give that a shot. Uh, then you, you know, you trade off all the, the, ancillary pieces and just try to recoup all of the large amount of draft capital that you gave up to build this team to begin with. Um, that said, the Knicks, just like they were when, you know, they were in, in engrossed in like the Donovan Mitchell trades over the summer, they are one of the most well-equipped teams to go after a player like Paul George, should he become available. So if he would become available, I would like to see them make that sort of move uh, right now. Cause I think, look, it would be painful to get rid of RJ Barrett when, you know, he just signed his extension and you're talking yourself into like, Oh man, like maybe he could still be the future or whatever, but uh, like Paul George would be the present. And you're right. I, I really do think that that team based off what we've seen uh, with how well they've played this year could potentially be a dark horse finals team. I know it sounds kind of crazy to say, but like you inject that level of talent and basically the only player of note that you're giving up is RJ Barrett and directly replacing him with Paul George, like, you're in great shape, dude. Like, that is a fantastic starting lineup. And you would still want to do some work then to build out the bench, but you could do that somewhat on the cheap, probably with some of the other trades that we're going to bring up here. Like, that wouldn't preclude you from then still building out the bench a little bit to try to make a real run this year. Uh, so I would definitely, uh, 100%, if he becomes available, I would go for it unless the price became too insane but like we've seen now, like in the offseason, it was the great unknown with like the Mitchell trade of like how good actually are the Knicks? You know, like like how good is Brunson going to make them? How like can Randall rebound or whatever? Are they just going to be a young team with Brunson this year whatever? And now we kind of have our answer like, no, like Randall is back and he's playing great. And Brunson is better than advertised, I think. And if you just kind of rounded this roster out in just the right way and got like I would say that Paul George would finally be that like one A star, then yeah, they they could potentially make a run this year, and that's that's worth investing in, and that's worth spending like four or five first round picks to do, especially when you have a uh, surplus of them. So uh, I'm totally with you there. But Gavin, I'll, I'll throw to a, you know, I I was going to do this in a different order, but I'm gonna just piggyback on your thing here so we can have this discussion. Mm -hmm. uh, so. I'll just throw out a role player first off, off a, off a team, uh, which is Torrey Craig off the Suns. Uh, this is pretty modest. Uh, he's averaging eight and a half points, 5.6 rebounds, 
He's shooting uh, 47% from the field and 39% from three on like roughly three attempts per game. Uh, I just, I like Torrey Craig a lot. He's a good do it all player. He's one of the guys, one of those guys that just kind of is like always on a good team. Uh, literally a few years ago was on both the teams in the finals at one point during the season. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, pretty tough to argue there. He probably wouldn't cost a ton because he's only on a one year deal. He's making like $5 million. He's a journeyman. I mean, straight up, like that's, that's what it is. Like he's, he could, he could have realistically been on any team, you know, this year. And, you know, he just happened to sign with the Suns on a pretty affordable deal. But, like, he's not going to come with some big premium. He's not super young. There's not really any upside left. But he does what he does very well, which is defend and shoot threes. And I, I like that. And he can defend threes and fours, which I think would be valuable if the opponent's best player is, like, LeBron James, you know, or, or Kawhi, if he's at his best with the Clippers or – um, you know, one of the one of the bigger, like more premier wing players in the league that's not like Giannis uh, Luca, for example. You know, like if you have a guy like that that maybe is a bit of a handful for Grimes because of the size discrepancy, then you can throw a Tory Craig on them and be like, okay, let's let's make this work. Um, I also think the Suns might just be like a few weeks away from kind of throwing in the towel on this year, selling off some role players to kind of start reloading for next year uh, because it just seems like things are not going super well for them. Just like the, the Clippers, they're kind of in a bit of a tailspin at the moment. Uh, my alternate idea, Gavin, that I want to throw to, and I know that you follow the Suns pretty closely because it's like your secondary team from, from when you were in college and everything. I, I, I think the Knicks should, you know, if the Suns are willing to pick up the phone and listen, which every team is, if they, come to the conclusion that sort of like what I was just saying with the Clippers that, you know, like, okay, maybe this just isn't going to work, you know, with this core that we've built, like, and it's better to just kind of cut our losses now while everybody is still at a pretty high value rather than wait for everything to go past its expiration date. Uh, Why not just throw a Godfather offer for Booker? Uh, Former Leon Rose client that if you want to talk about a guy you could get the inside track on, like that would certainly be one of them. Uh, in Devin Booker because it's like one of the four or five guys in the entire NBA that like Leon Rose is like like super attached at the hip to along with Chris Paul who's Booker's other teammate so like not saying that there would be collusion but there could be some sort of uh, you know something something or other going on over there in Phoenix if Leon Rose I guess uh, felt so inclined and those two guys felt like they were ready to get out of there Uh, I don't know I'll throw that to you Gavin Uh, what do you think first off I guess about the Craig part but then about the Booker part as well. Yeah, I, I I think I can answer it in one fell swoop. Um, I think the Suns still believe that they can be very good this year um, with everyone healthy. Um, their, their net rating just when uh, Cam Johnson, who I think uh, literally is coming back as we record this podcast against the Nets, um, when he was on the court, they were really good. Uh, they were first in the Western Conference um, when, again, when they had their team together. So I think especially given how open the West is and, and there isn't that that Kevin Durant Warriors team that you're like, all right, I mean, what's what's the point? Like, we might as well just break this up. Um, I, I I would be reticent to say they're even going to sell someone like Craig unless they turn Jay Crowder into a better wing and they say, all right, we don't really need Torrey Craig. Like, maybe we could turn him into um, a Cam Reddish or, or maybe they would try to um, – not that the Knicks would necessarily be interested in this anymore and would kind of defeat the purpose of getting a Torrey Craig, but maybe they'd, like, aim bigger for, like, a Julius Randle. Um, but as far as Booker goes, I don't – I don't totally buy it. I, I really think he is kind of in the Dame Lillard mold where he he just means so much to Phoenix and it is so kind of tied at the hip to the franchise. And and I mean, like so many other players in the NBA, grew up admiring Kobe Bryant, who 
who did um, maybe maybe this is erased in 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 the history of people who were super fans of Kobe, but did try to leave L.A. but never actually left um, L.A. So I, I think unless things really go down the toilet, he sees himself as a son through and through and how they handle these next few years is going to shape that. And that w- w- would it shock me if if at like like he's 26 years old right now, if at age 30, they still haven't gotten out of the first round of the playoffs, or at least since this current run, they haven't gotten out of the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. Then I could, I could see him thinking about moving on and, and having a second chapter somewhere else, but at age 26 with a couple of years left on his contract, Alex, I think it's, I think it's too soon. And, and, and from Phoenix's perspective, like, you could you could trade for all the next draft picks. You could get a couple of young players, but are you really going to do better than a, a 26 year old who's a top 12 to 15 player in the league? Like I I just think it's hard it's hard to justify that un- unless to your point he was like, hey, like I, I've done right by this franchise. I want out. I don't think it's close to that point quite yet. Well, if it, you know, ultimately these first two big names that we brought up might be a little far fetched, mm-hmm. or at least at this particular moment, we have some more realistic guys to get into in just a moment when we come back, uh, including one of my favorite uh, big men in the NBA right now, and a lot of people's favorite big men in the NBA right now. But first, I should remind everybody that if you're looking for a delicious treat and you don't want all the fat and calories, you got to try a Built Bar. You know, the holidays just passed a few weeks ago. I know. I hope everybody's still sticking to their New Year's resolutions. I'm still sticking to mine. I've been trying to get back in the gym like, four or five days a week and and really get in shape again and i've also been dieting a little bit and you know what it's tough when you're dieting and you're trying to work out because you're not getting enough protein uh you're not getting enough calories in general and just like uh, you're not putting enough in your body to replenish because you're trying to you know kind of do two things at once burn the candle from both ends right with exercising and dieting at the same time well that's where built bars come in and they're great for that because what makes them so good is that for one thing, they're covered in hundred percent real chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. My personal favorite tastes just like almond joy. And I'm really not sure how built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. What's the best part of it all is that they're healthy. They have only 130 calories and four grams of sugar, but a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box for years. We've been talking about ordering your built bars at built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of built bars. You can pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs. And if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box of Hit Flavors Brownie Batter and Churro. You can thank me later. But if you also want to do it the old-fashioned way, you can also just go to Built.com. All right, Gavin, we're back to talk a little more reasonable. We both shot our shots, right? Paul George yeah. and Devin Booker. I mean, I did throw Tory Craig out there as like the uh, – the false, uh, false positive before then being like, but what about Devin Booker? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> so if someone's listening like, oh, they're going to be reasonable. Oh, no, he got me. No, nope, <laughs> no. Nope, there it is again. There's there's that guy for the YouTube thumbnail. Devin Booker. Could they trade for it? Who knows? Um, <laughs> can't wait for everybody to tell us we're unreasonable in our YouTube comments. Uh, anyway, I, I'm going to I'll present a slightly more reasonable guy here gavin and and get your reaction i'll just give like the quick elevator pitch which i think we can just kind of do the rest of the way so we fit all these guys in uh bull bull is a guy that i would i mean i'm sure that a lot of teams in the nba would love to have this dude right now uh and the knicks should be on that list 
Uh, he's currently at 12.7 rebounds, one and a half blocks this year and 26 minutes per game for the Orlando Magic. He's shooting. He's, he, he also just came off a stint on the, uh, the COVID list, but mostly has been in good health and playing decent minutes this year. Uh, he's shooting 58.5% from the field, 37.7% from three on like two and a half attempts or so per game, and 74% from the free throw line. I mean, obviously, he's kind of gone viral a number of times for some of his like transition dunks and, and dribble moves and stuff like that because some of the stuff that he does is very similar to the guy that presumes to go number one overall in the draft this year, Victor Wamanyama, but like a more... Uh, clunky stripped down version but i mean he does a lot of really interesting stuff for a guy that's like seven foot three i think is his listed height and like almost an eight foot wingspan uh has shot blocking ability as well as the ability to put the ball on the floor in many ways does a lot of the things that like you wanted chris Porzingis to do as a nick um as far as the ball handling and stuff like i think his handle was actually maybe tighter than Porzingis's was when he was a nick even if his skills aren't quite as good, obviously, or else he'd be playing more than 25 minutes per game on the Magic. Uh, but that said, I, I think he could give you an actual version of what Hartenstein was supposed to do, which was give like a, a varied look uh, on offense from your big man spot, whether he's playing with any of the other bigs on the Knicks. I think that's probably the biggest selling point to me is I could see lineups where he would provide enough rim protection to satiate Tibbs as far as having him out there with like a Julius Randle or an Obi Toppin or he could defend well enough and shoot well enough and space the floor well enough that you could put him out there with like a Mitchell Robinson and just have like tons of rim protection while not giving up any of that outside shooting that you would want to have out there to kind of offset uh, Mitch at the five there. So I really like him. He is under contract for one more season at, I don't know if it's exactly the minimum, but it's basically the minimum. I think mm. he makes like $2 million uh, this year and next year. I personally, if I was going to make an offer for him, I would give up one of Cam Reddish and Deuce McBride, uh, one of those two, so Reddish or Deuce McBride, and one of the protected first for him pretty easily. And I could be persuaded into giving also like as many second round picks as they could possibly want or possibly like the rights to Jokobitis or something like that. Like I feel pretty good about Bull Bull at 23 years old, and I just love – the fit that he could be on this team and the fact that he would probably be good enough to earn playing time for Tibbs and actually play like a good role while still doing all the things that make him as good as he is. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think he'd be so much fun. And, and the thing is he's, he's somewhat expendable um, in Orlando because they also have Mo Bamba who's, who's playing pretty well and does is not quite as exciting, but I know a, a, a past flame of yours, Alex, like it <laughs> does some, some similar stuff in terms of being an absolute giant who, who can shoot a bit, from distance and I don't I mean he falls into my category of spicing things up for the Knicks like especially with his with his like transition jaunts and his, his euro steps that seemingly eat up half the court and, and if you're the Knicks I mean he's still he's still super young you can certainly talk yourself into the idea that there's more upside there he's, he's 23 years old but just hasn't played a lot of NBA basketball before this year I mean, it was really a developmental project and kind of like we've always said with Obi Toppin like might be just on a later developmental trajectory and now i don't i don't really see like a, a full-on like star outcome for him there because he's still just like a little too awkward like it feels like he's always going to be like a little a little too weak to like fully leverage his height in terms of just physically dominating people but he, he's super fun um he would be awesome as a, as a backup big and and we, we've said it forever that the knicks could use a true floor spacing center we kind of thought we had it in hartenstein that has not really come to fruition 
this year. Um, I, I kind of question how much Tibbs would let him do everything he does and like how quickly Tibbs would want to pull the plug on that versus Jericho Sims, who's who's less spectacular, but maybe is a little more steady in what he does on the defensive end of the floor, what he does as an offensive rebounder. But I don't know, Alex, I'm, I'm with you. I think he is a super intriguing option. Uh, yeah, but Alex, I, I can just finish up with my last two guys because they kind of fill the same exact role for the Knicks. So first, Dean Wade of the Cleveland Cavaliers. He averages six and a half points, four rebounds, 45% from the field. And, and here's the key for me. He's a 41% three-point shooter on five attempts per 36 minutes. I think it would make a lot of sense to just steal him straight up uh, for Cam Reddish. If you're uh, Cleveland, you get a little bit more uh, defensive versatility in in Reddish and, and someone who gives you a little bit more upside as, as kind of an on-ball creator. And, and look, they, they have four borderline all-stars in their starting lineup. Why not have a fifth guy that can create some shots for you, but also we'll, we'll rein it in a little bit relative to what someone like Karis LeVert brings. From a Knicks perspective, I, I just I, I made it clear in the first segment, I think they desperately need some floor spacing off the bench. Wendler can do that. He's a nice ball mover. He's, he's big at six foot nine, so you're not at a size deficit if you're playing him at the three. Um, I, I just think he would really open up the court. And, and if, if you want to, especially with Mitchell Robinson out for the next three weeks, which we haven't really touched on yet, you could play Obi as, as a small ball five and, and Dean Wade as a small ball four uh, with the bench unit, I think that would be a really fun lineup, even if it would suck defensively. But the kind of the, the rich man's version of that, or, or maybe I should say the middle class version of that, is, is Kenrich Williams, who averages nine points, six rebounds, two assists per game for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And he is on a heater shooting the basketball 56% from three over his last 10 games on three attempts per 36 minutes. So not not obviously really low volume there. But um, he is a, a gunner. He is solid defensively, and he can do a little bit in terms of moving the ball, making a play here or there off the dribble. I, I just think, Alex, either of those guys would would really open things up for, for not only Obi Toppin, but whether it's Emmanuel quickly playing with the bench, whether it's RJ Barrett playing with the bench. I, I just think you kind of got to grease, grease the wheels a little bit if you're the New York Knicks with that bench unit. Yeah, I think so too. And I think getting some consistent shooting, like keyword on consistent would mm. be great for the the Knicks bench right now because it's like, it feels like everything happens in fits and spurts. Even for like quickly, who's been their best best bench player by a mile lately, even his three-point shooting is streaky. But luckily the rest of his game is starting to kind of pick up. But like Obi has been streaky. Like Cam Reddish was streaky, you know, when he was getting minutes. Uh, Deuce is streaky. Like every single guy that you put out there, it, like Hardenstein, forget about it. Like he hasn't found any of the three point success that he used to have this year. It, it's just like every guy that you put out there has issues as far as, you know, putting the ball in the hoop from three. And you, you just need to find that consistency somewhere. I really like Wade. Uh, for one thing, a Nick killer that you just remove from being able to kill the Knicks anymore. That would be awesome. He, I think he had his season high against the Knicks this year. For all I know, it could be a career high, like 22 points earlier this year against the Knicks. Uh, they also could eliminate uh, Kevin Love's doppelganger so that I'm sure it's really confusing at practice. Maybe not quite so much now that Kevin Love has leaned into the salt and pepper thing. But yeah, I mean, I I, I like the Wade idea quite a bit. And I think that that would be a relatively low cost acquisition. Like you could probably talk them into Cam Reddish and be like, Reddish could be like what you guys wanted Isaac Okoro to be when you drafted him. Uh, but longer and probably better. And they'd be like, yeah, I could probably see that <laughs> and maybe go with it because I, I don't think Okoro's really lived up to expectations so far. Uh, and they would probably like someone who's 
got more ideal NBA length, can in theory be a more consistent three-point shooter, uh, and can pretty much do all the rest of the stuff that Okora was, you know, uh, advertised as being able to do when they drafted him. So I, I think that's a good idea. And Williams, I mean, I just wonder because it's the Thunder, would they ask too much? Uh, I think even a protected first for him, like I would rather just go get someone less expensive that plays basically the same role. Um, but that's just me. I mean, I, I think there is a case to be made for going after someone like that as well. Uh, I will throw out my last guy. Maybe this guy is cheaper. Maybe he would end up being more expensive. Uh, so maybe I'm like a huge hypocrite right here. But uh, it's a guy that's been linked to the Knicks uh, by at least one report recently. Uh, and a guy that I just think would be a perfect fit for what they like out of their bench players. And that's Alex Caruso. Uh, he's averaging 5.6 points per game, three and a half assists and one and a half steals. He's shooting 43.5% from the field and 39.5% from three on about three attempts per game for the Bulls. Uh, of course, the Bulls are in kind of a weird spot right now where they're vastly underperforming on the whole this year, but they've played a little better as of late. Uh, so it's like you don't really know what they're going to go for, but they might take a look at the East and how good the East is this year. They might look at the fact that Lonzo Ball is out till who knows when. Uh, and that he was kind of a catalyst for them being so good last year, and then ultimately just be like, you know, let's just sell Caruso for what we can get right now, and we'll just kind of see where the chips fall the rest of the year, and then just go in next year ready to rock again, I guess. Um, but I, I like Caruso's game a lot. He's sort of like the best way I can think of to describe him is he's like a juiced up version of, version of Deuce, sort of like more consistent shooting the ball. Just as good of a defender, I think. Uh, obviously longer, like slightly more ideal NBA size. And a little more point guardy, I guess. Uh, you know, through the assists there. I, I I think Deuce does a pretty good job, but I think the Caruso looks to create assists more often. Uh, and also shoots better when he does shoot. And maybe would be quite as trigger happy as Deuce is. Uh, he can also guard more positions, I think, because of that, you know, being bigger, a bigger guard. So I think he could probably guard one to three, which is always useful. Uh, super high energy and whatever. My only worry there, Gavin, is that the Bulls might still be in a place where they want to try to compete for the playoffs. And if that's the case, plus paying like the in-conference tax and like the historic rivals tax between the Bulls and the Knicks, it might kind of make things difficult for the Knicks price wise to go after Caruso. And it might not be so simple as just being like, here's Cam Reddish and a couple seconds or whatever for Caruso. Like I, I think they could probably go elsewhere and find a, a player that maybe wouldn't give you exactly what Caruso could, but for like less money, that's maybe an older player. But if I could just like out of all the players that the Knicks have been linked to recently, grab one of them. I, I think Caruso might, be the guy yeah i i, I love the player and I, i'm with you I, I question how feasible the trade is because i think if you're chicago you're either all in or you're all out like if i'm trading caruso like not not that he's so make or break for their team but they can't afford to actively get worse right if if, if their goal is is to win big and and maybe the the only thing there would be is if they really love cam reddish and they say hey you you throw us cam and and like and like they could talk themselves into getting a steal if the Knicks also threw in a protected first round pick. Like to me, that would that would probably get it done. And it's kind of the question of like, do the Knicks want to give up that much for him? And and if you're the Bulls, you can argue, especially with Lonzo out, they could certainly use 
a little bit more of a pop um, off their bench in terms of scoring, but that team is so defensively deficient. I, I think Caruso is pretty essential for them. And, and weirdly this year, even though they're worse this season, they've been much better against top teams than they were last year. So I, I think the Bulls are probably talking themselves into one more playoff run, but I, I, I don't need to repeat what you just said. He is, he is, he is deuce uh, 2.0. He is, is picture perfect uh, for what the Knicks want to do. And, and I think would, uh, would kind of it, it would bring the same energy back that the Knicks had the first couple games of that eight game winning streak where where the bench unit was just absolutely like frantic and and just applying pressure all over the court and and just torturing people but with, with a little more consistency to it. Well, that's some stuff to chew on and some players to think about. I'm sure there's plenty more uh, to think about. So maybe we'll even do another show because I'm sure we could come up with another six, seven names pretty easily yeah. that we'd want to be New York Knicks because uh, it's it's going to be uh, maybe a wild trade season or maybe if things have gone the way they've gone so far, pretty pretty tame trade season, who's to say. But we'll have you updated no matter what ends up happening as trade season keeps chugging along or eventually starts, I guess. Uh, but we'll be right here for you on Locked on Knicks. But until next time, thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Peace out.